Amen. All right. Father God, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for this opportunity to just be here with my family, Lord. Speak to us today. Guide us, Lord, in your word, that your word may take root in our soul, in our hearts, Lord, that it may change us as we grow closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. A married couple of 15 years all of a sudden has begun to argue more than usual. They, they take a moment to say, wait a minute, why are we arguing so much these days? There's got to be something to, to, to make this work. We, we, we got to make our marriage work, so let's figure out what we can do. The wife comes up with this brilliant idea, and she says, let's create fault boxes. A fault box was about this size, right? And it had a little slit in it. And every time someone does something that irritates, you would write it down and put it in the box. So the wife had her own little box where she would write all the irritating things her husband would do, and she would put it in there. And the husband had his own little box. And the wife, she worked diligently at it every day. She made sure she added to the fault box, underwear left on floor, <laughs> toilet seat up, S dirty socks not in the hamper, shoes in the middle of the hallway. And she would every day put her suggestions or her little false things in there. Well, it was the end of the month, and it was time to exchange the boxes. To exchange the boxes after a dinner date, which was odd. I mean, it kind of ruins the night, right? <laughs> but after a dinner date, they decided to, they're going to open each other's boxes. And so he begins to pull. He takes hers first, and he's like, dirty socks, not in hamper. I'm sorry. Shoes in the middle of the hallway. I'm sorry. Toilet seat up, ah, oh, sorry. And he's just going through it and going through it. And he acknowledges his faults. Then it's time for the wife to open hers. And there were tons of pages in here. And so she pulls one out and it just says, I love you. And she pulls another one out and it says, I love you. And she pulls another one out and another one out and another one out. And they all said the same thing. I love you. I love you. I guess he found a way to look past a lot of the irritating things that she could have done because uh, I believe both people in a marriage can do some irritating things at times. Amen. <laughs> There's a... There's a, Span there's, a there's a Spanish story. When I say Spanish, I'm referring to Spanish, you know, like the Spanish Spanish. There's a Spanish story of a father and son who had become estranged. The son had ran away, never to want, he had a fight with his father and the son ran away and he didn't want anything to do with his family and the father didn't want anything to do with his son. But after some time, after this, sometime, the father, he set off to find him. And he would search and search and search, but he couldn't find him nowhere, no, no matter where he looked. For months and months, he couldn't. Finally, in a desperate and last final attempt, he goes to the newspaper in Madrid, right? And he puts an ad in the newspaper. And the ad read, Dear Paco, Meet me in front of this newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. That Saturday, by noon p.m., 800 Pacos showed up <laughs> looking for the forgiveness and love of their father. The common theme of both, the common theme of both uh, stories here, can anyone yell it out? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. 
Forgiveness is the common theme. Today is day one of the series titled Story Time. Story Time. And these weeks, and I don't know how many, I mean, I don't know, there's, there's a lot of stories. We refer to them as stories, right? And, they're, and, and to many of us, they're known as parables because Jesus spoke in parables. He told stories to explain the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. And so it could be four weeks, five weeks, six weeks. You know, I mean, there's, there's about 30 parables total or something like that. I don't know. We'll see wherever God takes us. You guys like that? Wherever, wherever God takes us? Okay. Okay. Thank you, Erica. <laughs> what do these parables mean? What does it have to do with us? And today we're talking about the unmerciful servant. The unmerciful servant. Forgiveness is a sticky subject. How many of us like to forgive? Amen. Praise God. Good job. They've discovered some secrets. They, they, they got it. All right. I see, I, see, I see it, Joe. I see your hand back there. Awesome. That's, that's, that's actually a gift right there. You could easily forgive people, right? But it's a sticky subject. Um, even as parents, we ask ourselves with our children, like, like, how much grace do we give our children? Because, you know, we still got to let them learn the hard knocks of life, right? So, like, so how, how, how much grace do we give? How much do we allow ourselves to be involved to the point where they're not learning for, their, for themselves? Children and teens. Teens, I'm talking to y'all. There's a word I, I mentioned last week. It's called fickle, Right? You know, does anybody remember what fickle means? Wishy-washy. You see, a lot of the adults in this room, we've learned in life that people will be wishy-washy. They will be wishy-washy. We, we've experienced that. And children and teens, as they're growing up, this is something that you're going to be like, wait a minute, but you said this. Why aren't you doing it? Because some people are wishy-washy. And so what happens is, um, we begin, as you guys are growing up, you guys got to figure out, like, um, how do I continue to, de- or how do I or do I continue to develop relationships with people that constantly hurt our feelings? How do I act? Sometimes some of us have been hurt repeatedly by relatives, people that were supposed to love us, and we've been hurt and abused by them. They were supposed to nurture us instead. What are we supposed to do with them? Jesus once told a story to his disciples about forgiveness, and it's found in Matthew chapter 18. I want to read you this story. I want to read you this parable. Matthew 18, verse 21 to 34. Then Peter, said, Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. Say millions. He couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and anything that he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell. But the man fell. (laughs) The man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and released him and forgave him of his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. Say thousand. He grabbed him by the throat. Grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. 
His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. He said, be patient with me. I will pay it. Sounds Those were the exact same words. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. And they went to the king and told him everything that had happened. They dropped dime on him quick. The king then called, then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. The end. Or is it? It's not quite the end. And Matthew, he records one more, one more verse in this little parable here. One more statement that Jesus makes before he moves on. And the statement is found in verse 35. And verse 35 says, That's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. I hear a pin drop. Wow. Obviously, we can see that forgiveness is important to God, right? This is something important. So important that Jesus is making this incredibly strong statement to wrap up this parable. Because remember, the king threw him in jail at the end to be tortured until his debt would be paid, which you'll see later that it was an impossible debt that would never be able to have been paid. It makes us kind of feel uncomfortable. Well, I mean, this is kingdom stuff. I mean, this is supposed to be warm and fuzzy stuff. What do you mean? What do you mean? You mean God could actually do something or, to us? Or like, it, This doesn't make me feel nice. This doesn't make me feel good to hear that this king threw this guy into the prison to be tortured. It, 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 makes, it, it, it makes God seem not safe. Because some of us want to serve a safe God, right? We want to serve a safe God, a God that we can, a God that we can just um, kind of already have planned out. We know what he's going to do. We know what he's going to say. We know that he's all love. We know, that, right, right, right? We want a safe God. We don't want to talk about God's wrath. We don't want to talk about the things that will happen because we are disobedient to God. We don't want to talk about these things, Right? It makes, it kind of, it kind of, what we want to do is we want to serve a tame, a tame, a God like a tame lion where we know his power, we know what he's capable of, but he won't, but he won't, he won't bite you. So I think to myself, this parable seems a little harsh, maybe if I put it together with some other lessons that Jesus taught about forgiveness, maybe I could feel a little better. Maybe, maybe it will make us feel better if we look at some other things that Jesus said. All right, so, so let's look at some other things, and, and let's see what, what, other thing, what other verses uh, we see Jesus talking about forgiveness. We look at Matthew 6, 14 to 15. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. I don't know if this makes me feel any better. But, you know, we're all taught, we're all taught, you know, the basics. Ask for forgiveness and God will forgive us, right? Well, yeah, I mean, that's the starting point. I mean, but, you know, we can't all stay in the shallow end forever, 
And so as we grow in our faith and we grow in our walk with God, as we grow in maturity, we understand that there's some things that we got to do in our walk. There's some, there's some commands that we need to be obedient to in our walk. And it's saying here, Jesus is saying, not his apostles, not Paul, not anybody else. Jesus is saying that if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. This is, this is harsh. I knew it would be a quiet Sunday. I, I knew it would be a quiet Sunday. But pastor, all we got to do is ask for forgiveness. Yeah, yeah. Yes. If you ask for forgiveness, he will forgive you. And then we are expected, and we're going to talk about that more, to carry that forgiveness forward. You know how we say pay it forward? But if you don't do that, okay. The next verse that we see is Mark 11. Verse 25, when it says, but when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against. What? Pastor, I've never even seen this verse. Okay, well, I'm telling it you now. When you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so, so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Oh, wait a minute. Now he won't forgive my sins if I got grudges against people? Well, I'm, I, I didn't write it. Some of us are wondering why we get on our knees day after day after day after day, praying and praying and praying, and yet we don't see the hand of God moving in particular areas of our life, and we're wondering why. Is there a little grudge in your life? A little something you're holding against someone else? Some of y'all are already thinking of people in your mind. That's okay. Keep it. Keep those names in your head. Keep those names in your head. Names are popping up. Names are popping up. I believe, I believe, I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to stir some things up today. Because we want to get closer. We want to grow, right? We want to grow. We don't want to stay in shallow waters. We don't want to stay in, in, in superficial relationships like we talked the last week. Was it last week? Superficial We don't want superficial relationships with God. We want intimate relationship with God. Do you understand that even, do you understand that, 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 that this is even deliverance? This is deliverance. Some of us are bound some of us are bound and we're praying and we're not seeing the chains breaking. We're praying, we're not seeing the, 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 the deliverance in our lives and we're wondering what is going on. And the thing is that there's an individual, there's a situation, there's something that has happened in your life that you are refusing to let go. How dare they? How could they? I can't believe that. And you are holding on to it so tightly. Some of us are bound by unforgiveness. Luke chapter 6, verse 34 to 37 says, And if you lend money to those, only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies. Do them good. Oh, I hate that verse, Pastor. Lend them, lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Wait, 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 wait. Love your enemies, do them good, and lend them to them. Oh, God, you're asking a lot. You're asking a lot. You want me to lend to my enemies too? It says, then your reward from heaven will be very great. And you will truly be acting as children of the Most High, for he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate, just as your father is compassionate. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others, or will all come back against you. Forgive others, and you will be forgiven. That, those, those three, four verses, there's a lot 
in those three or four verses. I'm, I can't unpack all this right now. But, but it's funny, it's like, why should you get like kudos for lending to someone when you're expecting repayment? Like when you are demanding, you know, to, to, to get repaid for something that you've done, is, are you really looking out for someone? Do not condemn others or we'll come back to you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. Again, the words of Jesus. Let's take a look at Luke chapter 17, verse 3 to 5. So watch yourselves. If another believer sins, rebuke that person. You know what that means? You know, confront it. Tell them that they're wrong. Let them know that, they, that they, they hurt you or they offended you, whatever the case may be. It's okay. We, we should be able to do that with one another. We should be able to say, we should be able to say, Priscilla, yo, that thing you did the other day, that really, that really like hurt my feelings. Like you really offended me. Oh, I didn't know. I apologize for that. Chris, when you didn't show up and when you didn't do this, like, I, I, yo, bro, I was, I was upset. Oh, you know what? I didn't realize, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, you know, I'll, I'll do better. Oh, oh, cool. But what we are, this, that's what we're taught in the scripture. But you know what the world will teach us? Yo, Erica, Camille, you saw, you saw what she did? You saw how she hurt my feelings? Can you believe that she would do that to me? I should, I should, I should put it on Facebook? Oh, Instagram? The world teaches us. The world teaches us not to confront. Because, I mean, why would the devil want you to confront something so that there could be repentance and then there could be reconciliation and then there could be love and then there could be joy and there could be unity? Why would the devil want that? Why would he want that? Because that's exactly what happens. When we confront one another, there's repentance. Then there's reconciliation. Then there's relationship. There's love. There's joy. There's unity. And so when we don't feel drawn to doing that and we're feeling drawn to doing other things, seclusion or, or talking behind someone's back or, or, or just having the private, then what's happening is those things, which by the way, our flesh will naturally take us in that direction. Okay? Our flesh, that's why we have to battle it. It will naturally take us that direction. But when we find ourselves in that direction, this is not a godly place to be. This doesn't unite the body of Christ. It divides the body of Christ. If another believes, rebuke that person. Then if there's repentance, forgive. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks for forgiveness, you must forgive. Uh, Did did y'all read the same thing I just read? Even if a person wrongs you seven times a day and each time asks forgiveness, you must forgive. The apostle said to the Lord, show us to increase our faith. Show us how to increase our faith. When we hear these teachings, right, <laughs> we're saying the same things. Jesus is talking to the apostles, uh, to his disciples, and he's, and, he, and he's mentioning this. And when he gets to the part where he's saying if someone does you dirty seven times in one day and turns around and asks you for forgiveness each time, you are to forgive them. (laughs) Now, it doesn't say which disciple, right? Maybe it was in unison. I don't know. Maybe they all responded the same way. But it just says the apostle says, Lord, you got to help us. You got to help us increase our faith because we ain't there yet. Like I could imagine, I could imagine them saying, what? What? Because he's not talking about seven different people coming into your life and each of them doing something and then you having to forgive seven people. He's saying the same person, the one person coming into your life doing seven things in the same day and you having to forgive them seven times. We already know forgiving one time could be hard. Some of y'all struggle with forgiving just one time. 
When someone does you wrong, it's, it's, it's hard for you to be like, I forgive you. It's hard. One time is hard. Two time is harder. Seven time seems like an impossibility to some of us. As a matter of fact, some of us might be thinking like, yo, that sounds foolish. That sounds like if I forgive the same person seven times in, in one day, I'm a punk. You know, they're taking advantage of me. You know, um, uh, you know I, I'm not getting respect. They're walking all over me. Unfortunately, the t- there's no way around this teaching. It's clear. This is the, I mean, the, the, the Scripture doesn't leave room for a misinterpretation, although you'd be surprised. <laughs> although you'd be surprised. But, but the thing is, it's clear. He's saying if one person wrongs you and asks for forgiveness, if they ask for forgiveness, to forgive them. <sighs> the clear teaching of the Scripture is that we as people who have been forgiven of so much by God that we are, I want to use the word, obligated to forgive others. You know, obligated means we don't have a choice. Obligated means that it's a command. Obligated means that it's an order. Obligated means that if we don't do it, we're in disobedience. And so what happens is if we who have been forgiven by so, for, for, for so much by God, then we are now obligated to forgive others. It's also clear that Jesus will extend, listen to this, guys. Jesus will extend to us the measure of mercy and forgiveness that we extend to others. That's another scary thing. That's another scary thing, especially when you're walking outside with just all sunshine and flower and daisies, and that's your Christian walk is, is made up of the sun and flowers like that, right? When all of a sudden you, you begin to think of, of a God that says, the mercy and forgiveness that you extend to others is what I'm going to be extending to you. Some of us are not very merciful to some people. Some of us have yet to forgive some certain people, and what we're doing is we're holding back the mercy and forgiveness of God in our lives in some areas. That's, that just does, that doesn't make sense. I think the main point Jesus is making in his story about the servants is that each one has a debt. Each one of us had a debt that we could not pay off. In the parable, in the story that we just read, we are the servant number one. We are the one who owed the millions of dollars. That's who we are. We had a debt that was impossible to pay off. We were on our way to die to pay the debt that we owed because there was no way we can pay it. Yet our king stepped in. Our king stepped in and forgave that debt and he set us free. I want us to understand something um, of the magnitude of this debt. Millions of dollars. In, t- uh, in today's in today's um, in today's currency value, uh, they're averaging it to be between seven to nine million dollars around around that. Right? It is said that Harold. It, it, it's said that I don't know how they, I don't know I don't know how they, they came up with this calculation, but it said that Harold's kingdom. Harold's kingdom brought in a revenue, right, of about um, a little less than a million dollars a year, right, in, the, in, in, in their calculations. Their whole point of this was to say that this servant owed a debt to the king 
that was 10 times the amount that the, that the Herod's kingdom would bring in in one year. There was no way this individual would ever have been able to pay back that debt. It was an impossible debt that had to get paid. God had every right to judge us according to the debt that we owed and to demand repayment of our sins. How, how, how would have, what would the payment would have been again? Death. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. For all of us, the day is coming when we will, ha- will be called to account for our life and somehow go before God to settle accounts. We got to settle our accounts with him, with our king. The only way for us to be able to stand boldly and firm on that day is to be able to take care of things now, today, in the present. By doing what the servant did, he pleaded for his life. He, ha- he asked for mercy. Once you understand how hopelessly in debt you are to God, and that's why I want to make the reference to how much money this actually was. It was impossible to pay back. When we understand that the debt that we owe is impossible for us to pay back, there's no way that we could ever repay it, and that the only thing we could do is get on our knees before the Father, and plead for mercy on our lives and ask for forgiveness of that debt. The amazing thing, church, is that God is merciful. He is. And he doesn't treat us as our sins deserve, but has provided a way for our debts to, to, to him to be erased. And the only way that this was provided was through the death of Jesus and the shedding of his blood as a substitute, as a substitute for you and me. Once we really get it through our head, like we have to understand this, once you truly grasp this, what Jesus actually did for us. I know we say, oh, he died on the cross. He died on the cross so that we can have eternal life. The full picture of the cross. He died on that cross because he took your place. Do you understand? He took your place. We should have, we should have been penalized with death for our sin. And he took your place so that you don't have to. When we understand how much we've been forgiven, it should, it should come, it should be reflected, your understanding of how much you've been forgiven by you forgiving others. If you have truly understood what you have been forgiven of and what you have escaped because of you being forgiven, then you should be able to forgive others. People can definitely be hurtful. I know, Pastor, but you don't know what this person did to me. You don't know. It wasn't just a one-time thing. No, this person hurt my life. This person, when they did this, it changed my life forever. It's sad and it's hurtful. And I know stories of one-time things that will change the course of someone's life for the rest of their life. We see that when, when we look at um, abuse, sexual abuse, when we see a physical abuse, you know, um, when we see people that have been abused, that their lives are changed for the, rest of the, for the rest of their life. It's hurtful. 
infidelity in marriages, it's hurtful. It changes lives. It, I mean, it changes the course of, 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 the, of the marriage and the life. Pastor, you don't understand. Like, like you weren't the one there. Can I, can I give you guys a secret? I mean, I don't know if it's a secret or not. If you feel called to ministry in your life, forgiveness is something that you really need to learn how to do. Because I'm standing up here in front of all of you, and I'm not, I'm not saying you guys in particular, but in ministry as I've I've, 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 as we've led congregations and, church and, and groups and things like that, do you think we've never been hurt? Do you think no one has ever hurt us? No one's ever said bad things about us? No one's ever, you know, uh, done things to us or pretended to be good friends to then turn around and not be good friends? I mean, we go through that. I mean, we constantly go through that. And you know what? It's a lifestyle of forgiveness that has to be acquired in your walk to then continue to love, continue to preach the gospel, to continue to embrace, and to say that we are still a family. So guess what? Maybe we don't share the same stories, but I know what it means to have to forgive people that hurt you. Some of you guys get to forgive people and never see them again. Sometimes I don't have that liberty. Some people have been hurt repeatedly and deeply by people. And what God is instructing us is he's instructing us to, to, to think of those hurts, right? To think of those debts as a small debt when we compare it to what God has forgiven us. So think about the things that someone has hurt you. The things, when people have hurt you, it's almost a form of a debt, right? If Lenny does something to me, let's say he steps on my shoe, really hard on purpose, and he twists it, right? That's a small debt. That became a small debt. And at this moment, how can I not forgive Lenny of that small debt when I have been forgiven of millions, beyond millions? Think, about the, think, think of the concept. Anything anyone can ever do to you is still minute in comparison to what we have been forgiven for by God. Human forgiveness is a statement that says human forgiveness is a reflection of our experience and understanding of God's forgiveness. Human forgiveness is a reflection of our experience and understanding of God's forgiveness. I want to quickly read to you, and I, I, don't worry about it. I didn't give you guys the verses for this, but it's all right. It's in Luke chapter 7, verse 36 to 39. It says, Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table at the, at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. She began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with her hair, with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, he would know and, and what manner of a, he would know what manner of a woman this is who is touching him. She is a sinner. This sinful woman had gotten to a point in her life. She knew she was a sinful woman. 
She knew the lifestyle that she had lived. She knew that the whole world knew who she was, you know, and, 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 and her reputation had followed her. She knew all this, but yet she, when she was forgiven, her gratitude, it, 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 it was like at that moment, her, her actions and her expression were all, uh, a for, uh, they were all a form of a gratitude toward her understanding of how much she had been forgiven of. Do you understand? I mean, we could go into details of the alabaster jar and how much expensive and how, and that was about a year's worth of salary or whatever the case may be. I mean, none of that mattered because she had given herself at that moment using her hair, um, the, 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 the perfume, all that was an expression of an, under, of, of, of an understanding of how much she had been forgiven. And what God is telling us He's not telling you to buy something that's a year's worth of salary and to use your hair to dry someone's feet to, to express your understanding of his, forg- of his forgiveness to you. He's asking you to forgive others. That's it. If you understand what I have done for you and what I've forgiven you of, I'm telling you to forgive others. There are some happier parables. Don't worry, guys. In closing, the parable of the unmerciful servant. Oh, can, can, I, can I give you guys some context? I should have done this in the beginning. It, it may not make sense now, but I don't want to leave you guys with understanding why Peter's even asking in the first place. Peter's asking Jesus, like, so I forgive seven times? We've got to read before that to understand. I won't read it. I'll kind of paraphrase it. What's happening is that Jesus is kind of explaining to, to, to his disciples what to do when there's conflict within the body, right? Within the body of Christ, if, if, if um, I won't pick Lenny again. If, uh, if, Caesar, if Caesar does me wrong, like, what am I supposed to do? So he's explaining to his disciples, Caesar does you wrong. You go to Caesar and you tell Caesar, Caesar, this is what you've done wrong. And you give Caesar an opportunity to ask for forgiveness and to repent of that. If he chooses not to, then you go back. You get some leaders, a couple of leaders, witnesses. You go back to that individual. Caesar now, and now I got to go to Caesar with some people, right? I got to go, go deep now. I got, I got to get my, my posse together, right? And I go in front of Caesar. And I tell Caesar, Caesar, in front of witnesses, this is what you did. It's offensive, blah, 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 this and that. You have an opportunity to repent, ask for forgiveness, and all is good. Caesar still decides no. Well, then we see that that's an example in the Bible where then a conversation will then have, well, I mean, if you don't want to reconcile and be part of this family united, then perhaps you shouldn't be here. That's taught in the scripture. So after Jesus is teaching his disciples this, then Peter's like, all right, so how many times I do got to forgive somebody? And now do you see the conversation, how it goes? So now, now Jesus is trying to tell him, well, guess what? 70 times 7, and he goes into the story that we have covered here today. This parable of the, merciful, on the unmerciful servant, as well as the other teachings of unforgiveness, make it very clear as water. That there is no room in the kingdom of heaven for unforgiving, unmerciful, bitter people. That's, that's an ouch moment. That's a, that's a like, we don't want to hear that because guess what? Many of us are struggling with unforgiveness and many of us are struggling with me not being merciful and many of us are struggling with bitterness. We're struggling with these things. We're struggling. God requires of us that we forgive those who offend us. So my question to you this morning Is there anyone that you need to forgive?
What good is learning about the parable that Jesus told, the importance of this parable, understanding that in the kingdom of heaven, we, we all do want to get there. We all do want to be there. There's no room for those that don't forgive. There's no room for those that are bitter and unmerciful. I know that throughout this message, names have been popping into some people's heads. It's okay. Listen to me. And I might do something. I'm going to do something a little different today. The names that are popping into your head, some of them might even be here. Some of you guys might have something against each other. Some of y'all might have something against me. And I don't even know. But we're going to use today as we wrap up as an opportunity to forgive one another, to let someone know if they've offended you, to let someone know if they've hurt you, if they're here. Forgiveness is your choice to let go of that hurt. It's your choice. It's your choice to let go of the hurt and to not allow yourself to go through that hurt again and again. Come on, we know it. Some of us get angry all over again. We get angry all over again. We get hurt all over again. We get disturbed all over again. Every time we think of it, every time we go, every time it comes up, or every time we see the person. It's the choice to remember. It's, forgiveness is the choice to remember of all that you've been forgiven. And then to represent that mercy and forgiveness of God to those who hurt you. Church, friends, family, do you know that unforgiveness is a sin? It's a sin. It's a sin to not forgive someone. I know we don't talk about this a lot. I know we don't, you know, point. Who wants to point out the sin? You know, let's point out the good stuff. I get it. I know. And, 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 and sermons like this won't fill stadiums, I know. I'm not here to fill a stadium. I'm here to tell you the truth. Oh, that's good. I'd rather, be, I'd rather help add to, to, to the seats of heaven than fill stadiums here on earth. If we receive forgiveness from God, we must give it to others. We can't hold grudges or seek revenge. Seeking revenge is not forgiving someone. I'm just going to do this to them and then I'll be good. Some people are like, if I just get back at them, I'll feel better. I'll move on with my life. No. We are to trust God for justice. That's hard, right? Trust God for justice and forgive the person who offends us. Now, this is where we get into a touchy place, right? Where people say, forgive and forget. Or some people say, forgive, but you don't worry, you'll never be able to forget. And then you have people supporting both arguments, even biblically, right? Sometimes they try. But last night we were talking, right? We were talking and, and I, wanted to, I wanted to touch on this, but not give my opinion in this manner, other than my own experience. There have been things in my life that after I've given them up to God, after I've forgiven, after I've moved forward, and kind of just went on with my life, did you know that I didn't remember those things anymore? Like, I, honestly, and, and, and there was an example of that when we got together with, um, when we had a uh, reunion with some of the guys in my old unit, we got together and they began telling stories. They began sharing stories and experiences that we had together. And I'm sitting there 
And I'm like, huh, I don't remember that. Like, I don't remember that. And it's because I believe that, that as I gave that over to God, as I chose to, to walk a new life, as I chose to, to move forward and, to, and to, to completely not carry baggage of bitterness and unforgiveness with me, that as I walked, it began to, God began to remove these things that were no longer necessary in my life. Memories that were no longer necessary in my life. I still have my testimony. I still know the lifestyle I was living, but there were certain specific things that I could not remember anymore. In Psalms 103, um, chapter 12, right, when we, it says that as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And then... I want to say that there's, there's about 60-something verses, uh, 66, 65, 67. There's about 60-something verses in the Bible that says that he will forget our sin. That God will forget our sin. You know what that reminded me of? It reminded me of times when the enemy has used people in my life to try to remind me of my sin. If the Bible says that God will forget my sin when I ask for forgiveness, when I repent, when I go before him, then who is the one who's always trying to remind me of my sin? Who's the one who's trying to keep me bound to that, to, to whatever it was that I maybe have once done in the past? He is the accuser. Satan chooses to remember. God chooses to forget. Satan chooses to remember. God chooses to forget. Someone do, does you dirty. Are you acting like God or are you acting like Satan? Oh, but it's just, it's not that serious. I still, I still read my Bible. I still pray. I still, I still, you know, come to church. I still, but you haven't forgiven. But you haven't forgiven. And what you're doing right now is you are acting like our enemy. You are acting like Satan who chooses to remember as opposed to acting like God who has chosen to. There's a, there's a, there's a quote by Lewis Smeeds. It says, when you release the wrongdoer from the wrong, you cut a malignant tumor out of your life. You set a prisoner free, but you discover that the real prisoner was yourself. Can I, can, I, can I say something that some people may not agree with, but it's okay. You don't need to agree with it, but it's true. <laughs> there are some people physically sick with ailments, disease because they are harboring unforgiveness in their life. The unforgiveness in their life that they are harboring is poisoning their body. The bitterness is poisoning their body and there is sickness, there is real life sickness in your body because you have not, you have not forgiven someone and you're poisoning yourself. That person that you're not forgiven, they probably live in life fine. They don't need you. They don't care. A lot of times people do us wrong. Guess what? They could care less if they did us wrong, right? That's, that's how some people are. But us not forgiving that individual doesn't change anything for that person. That person's still going to do what they're going to do and go where they want to go and live how they want to live. But you are 
contained in this prison of unforgiveness and you're causing this sickness to your body, sickness to your spiritual body, to spiritual life, to your walk with God. Forgiving is going to a person and saying, listen, I don't know and I don't understand why you did this. I don't understand why you did this to me. I don't, I, I don't, I'll never understand why you did this to me. It's not okay. It will never be okay. But I'm choosing this day to relieve you the blame of it. Forgiving doesn't make you a doormat because forgiveness is not the same thing as tolerance. Church, don't get it twisted. That's why, that, that's why I, I wanted to let you know the context, the full context of the scripture. Because tolerance, you know, it, we're not to tolerate uh, wrongdoings in our lives. So Jesus is instructing his disciples, when there's a wrongdoing, you confront it. Do you understand? That's why you get the full context of this scripture. He's, he's showing them, confront the wrongdoing. And this is the right way to confront it. And then he says the rest. We don't have to be fools because we forgive. Forgiving is healing yourself of something that happened to you that you could not tolerate. But you forgive it as the only way to forgive, to heal the wound that you're left with. So when someone does something, guess what? You wouldn't want to tolerate that. But it hurts you. It affected you. And when we forgive, it's healing the, the wound that we're left with. Though we owe him a debt that we could not pay, he paid the debt that, we, that he did not owe. Although we owed him a debt that we could not pay, he paid the debt that he didn't owe. Oh, church, listen, today can be an amazing day. I mean, it's already been great. It can get even better. Some of us can walk out of here feeling 100 pounds lighter without the burden of unforgiveness on our shoulders, without the bitterness in our lives. We could leave it at the altar today. We can leave it here today and not have to carry that around, around with us anymore. It's time to search our own hearts for any place that has unforgiveness or bitterness that might be hiding in there because sometimes it's hiding in there. Sometimes we think we've dealt with some things. I had lunch with Mark about a month ago now. And I remember my words. I thought I got over that. Remember, Mark? I thought I got over that. Obviously not, because <laughs> it was still there. And sometimes it hides in different places because what we've done is we've, we've busied our life up so much to not think of the things that, are, that, are, that need to be dealt with. It's time to give these things over to him and cast it into the deepest sea. It's time to confess our inability to forgive. If some of us are here today and we're saying, Pastor, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't. But you know what? Take a step forward and say, I can't do this, but I want to. It's so hard. I, I need help. I, whatever it is. But today is a day not to leave the same that you came in. To confess our inability and to forgive, to forgive and ask God to empower us to not just say the words, but to actually forgive. Remember the verse? It said, it said this. It ended with, of course, it said, that's what my heavenly father will do if, you do if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Many of us have said, oh, I forgive him. Vanessa, I forgive you. I forgive you, Vanessa. Whatever. As long as she don't ever say it again, I'm going to block. Did, did I really just forgive her? Is it just lip service? Is it just lip service? 
or was there true forgiveness? Because a lot of us have said, I forgive you. I just don't want to talk to that person ever again. <laughs> what we're going to do today is this. There are some people in this building that need to forgive one another. I know. Trust me, I know all the stories. I know the things that are happening behind the backgrounds. I know stuff that's going on. There are some people that need to ask for forgiveness from one another. There are some of you that might be upset with me for some reason. I may not know. This is a good time to tell me. Good time to let me know. Don't leave today without, without let's gain through that. But some people, the names come up to your head, and those people are not here today. And what I, what I want to ask of you is to take a step of faith with that person's name in mind. Come up to the altar. And, and in an act of faith, we're going to, uh, I'm going to challenge you as if they were standing here this morning to profess a forgiveness, to begin that process in your life. 